Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? What's happening? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. I'm excited to be with you guys. I'm really, I'm really, really excited to, to deliver this episode to you guys because I feel like we're going into week five. We are, we are in October. Um, and just, there's so much just unknown and so just a lot of just questionable things throughout the NFL season. Um, I, I, I just have so many thoughts I want to lay out and give to you guys. So I'm so excited to be back. Welcome back. Um, hope you guys are excited, you know, as excited as I am. Um, but you guys know how we give it up, you know, middle of the week. I'm going to give you guys, obviously, I'm going to give you guys my top 10 lists, my top 10 teams. My, we do this on a weekly basis. But before we go any further, you know how we started off. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Like I said, I'm excited to be here with you guys. I'm ready to take you guys on an audio adventure. So, First off, let's, you know, shouts out to everybody listening. Shouts out to all the first-time listeners. If you are a first-time listener of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you could have chose anywhere else to be. Instead, you chose, you click on, you clicked on to my link or podcast, whatever, however you found it. Thank you. Shouts out to all the first-time listeners. If you are a regular listener of the pod, shouts out to you. You are in you you you've been you've been moving the right direction. You've been moving the right the right way, the correct way. You're in a great space. So let's get into it. Let's not even waste any time. Let's not even waste any time. And <clears throat> there were I had I had a few takeaways in week four, and I had a few ta- I had a few takeaways in week four. Some of those takeaways are going to be displayed, and I'm going to talk about them when I break down and give you guys and unveil my top 10 list. But I do want to focus on a particular game. Rams, 49ers, Monday Night Football. And it looked a lot like the Rams and 49er games over the past few years. Now, granted, the Rams beat the Niners in the NFC championship game uh, last year and and last year, obviously. But for the most part, outside of that, Kyle Shanahan's 49ers, who are, I would say, more physical and probably the most physical team in football, their physicality has really, really just demolished and it really dominates, and it just it just it, it, every time they play the Rams, I think the 49ers physicality just it just outdoes the Rams finesse play. The Rams the Rams can be physical at times, but they are more finesse. You think of Sean McVay and his offensive style and scheme, it's it's a little bit more finesse. Kyle Shanahan and these 49ers are so, so physical. Their best players have like a physical aspect to them. Um, You can up and down their roster. They're just really, really physical at the point of attack on both sides of the ball, offensive line, defensive line. That is the 49ers identity. And like I said, they're probably the most physical team in football. I think when I look at when I when I watched the 49ers and the Rams play on Monday Night Football, I thought to myself, the Rams probably have one advantage, quarterback. Everywhere else on the field, 
the 49ers look like the better team. And quite frankly, at this moment, I think they have the better team. The 49ers, I, I did not have them in my top 10 list. You can probably assume that they probably will be in my top 10 list. I don't want to, I just gave it away. But they are so interesting because I think they have a Super Bowl quality roster. I would argue they probably have a top five roster in football. Top five roster in football. But you look at some of their games, like I know the Denver game, they didn't, you know, offensively, they didn't look too good. Um, and they're, at times, they do have hiccups. And some of that is because of their inferior quarterback play at times. But the 49ers, don't let the 2-2 two and two record fool you. They have all the elements to being a championship caliber football team, and they're just 2-2. Two and two. But they're, they are a really good football team. They are a really good football team. They have a top five roster in football, but the quarterback has always been the thing that held them back. Because point, point and example, Monday Night Football versus the Rams, up until that pick six that the 49ers defense got, up until that pick six, the game was still hanging in the balance. And that's because, like, the 49ers were dominant on defense all night. But the game up until that pick six, that then the pick six silt the game. That silt the win. But up until that point, that game was still very much in the balance. And why? You ask yourself, why was that game still up in the in the balance? The 49ers completely just just completely ounce and just they had their way with the Rams offensively all night all night and you ask yourself with six set with seven six minutes left in the game why is the game still in the balance why is this why why do the rams still have a chance to win this game well the only reason is because jimmy garoppolo and jimmy garoppolo he's not a bad quarterback right he's not horrible um He's not great either. I think we all can admit that Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not elite. I think we can all admit, admit that Jimmy Garoppolo is not, like, he's not just utterly bad. Like, he's average. He's average. And the 49ers know it. And this goes back to my point that I was making a couple weeks ago when Jimmy Garoppolo regained his job after Trey Lance's gruesome's injury, gruesome injury. I talked about it. I said, okay. The Niners may look a little better as a football team. They look, they look with Jimmy Garoppolo under center, they do look more cohesive. Their offense do have a little bit more rhythm. It's not as choppy. But just like we know, the 49ers definitely know because they were the team, they were the culprits in trying to find a new quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo's replacement. That was Trey Lance. So they know that Jimmy Garoppolo has limitations. They know that. But when I watch the 49ers play, literally most Sundays when I watch them play, they look like, they feel like the superior team everywhere else except, except quarterback. It depends on who they play. But most Sundays, most Sundays, they feel like they're the more physical team. 
than whoever they play. They feel like they have the advantage literally everywhere else other than quarterback. That's the feel that I get with the 49ers. And, I mean, can't we've seen this recipe with them. 49ers, great defense, great offensive-minded coach, really dominant offensive line, could run the football, playmakers on the outside, and a quarterback with limitations. Not like I said, he's like obviously he's not Mahomes, he's not Josh Allen, he's not a top 10 guy. But he's not bad either. He's average. I think a comp, a close comp, would probably be Kirk Cousins. He's Kirk Cousins, but Kirk Cousins in big moments just just he just chokes. Kirk Cousins just wet the bed in big moments. Garoppolo. He don't necessarily wet the bed, but he he's really average in big moments. He comes up really really average in big moments. So that's the that that that's the knocking point with the 49ers and that's why I think a lot of people like some people could be very hesitant on that because they're like, oh, "We know what Jimmy Garoppolo is." But I don't know. When when I watch this 49ers football team, I see a team that is really really fast at the point of attack. They have playmakers at every level of their defense. They have playmakers and physical, like they have playmakers on both sides of the ball, both sides of the ball. And I and I told you, you look at the 49ers' best players. What do they all have in common? Debo Samuel, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, George Kittle. Trent Williams. What do they all have in common? They're all very physical. Like they're they're all really really physical players at their positions. They might they may that you may have an argument. The 49ers may have the most physical players at their position. Trent Williams. I mean, when healthy, probably the best left tackle in football, but he's just so damn physical as well and a physical specimen. Great physical talents. Debo Samuel. I mean, the way he can break tackles and make turn a two, three-yard gain into a 25, 30-yard gain and take it to the house and then Kittle with his run blocking. Like, every – you look at their best players. They What they all have in common is they have a tendency to get hurt. But outside of that, on a positive note, they are all physical, and that's what make that's that's the 49ers makeup. So that's the feel that I get. I think they have a Super Bowl roster, but it's you 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 just know San Francisco has limitations at quarterback. I, I don't I don't I don't know how else to really put this. A couple weeks ago, I talked about it. And I'm like, we all know, like the 49ers know something that we don't. And I say that like being like facetious. Like, obviously, we know. Everybody knows. It's the elephant in the room. But on the flip side, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, he fits what Kyle Shanahan wants. He makes the right play. He gets the ball out quick. He's accurate, fairly deliberate. Um, You know, Kyle, Kyle doesn't want Kyle Shanahan doesn't want anybody that's just like this, just going outside of the the play call. That's just going outside the play call. 
And Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't do that because Jimmy Garoppolo, quite frankly, doesn't have the capabilities and the talents to in order to do that. So he has to stick with the play call that's given. He has to stick with the concept that that was followed and taught. But just like, like I said, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to get around it. And this is, this is a really tricky situation for the Niners because they know they have a Super Bowl roster. They know that they're good enough everywhere else to really compete at a high level with the Buffaloes, with the Kansas Cities. They know, but they also know we have a limitation at quarterback, and that's why we tried to upgrade at quarterback. Now, unfortunately, our potential upgrade in Trey Lance, we don't know, maybe, maybe he's not an upgrade, but our potential upgrade at quarterback got hurt. So you know what? We got to go back to the thing we know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, the 49ers offense does look more cohesive. Yes, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, fits aesthetically. I think he fits what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. Yes. But I also know Jimmy Garoppolo in big moments, in big spots, in big games, you sometimes ask yourself, what the hell is he doing? And damn, he is so average. That's what you get. Now, let's shift gears to the Rams. So, with the Rams, I, I really don't know what to make of this team. Um, the, Ram, the Rams offense, there's a couple of things. The Rams offense have looked, it's been really, really hard to watch. Like, it's a hard watch. And I, I had to question myself, and, and this is one of my fears, and I think it's starting to become a little true where after week one, I started asking myself, are the Rams too Cooper Cup dependent? Now, after four games and they're sitting at two and two and after a humbling loss and an a, a, a utter beatdown by the 49ers, I now say the Rams, what else do they do well on offense outside of involving Cooper Cup? Like, outside of with the exception of actually throwing the football to Cooper Cup, what else do the Rams do well? Cam Akers, I'm not sure if Sean McVay is a big fan of Cam Akers. Cam Akers have pass blocking, a little small nibble, have had some fumble issues. Um, Matthew Stafford, you know, he gets the ball to Tyler Higby, but Allen Rob the Allen Robinson acquisition at to this point hasn't worked. And it, there's either two things with that. Either he's washed or he's just not gaining. He's just not like he just don't know the system because he just can't get open like at all. Allen Robinson can't get open at all. So when I look at the Rams offensively, I just look, I see a team that is really, really desperate. Like, they are really Cooper Cup dependent, too Cooper Cup dependent, and he gets he gets a lot of targets. He, look, he gets a lot of catches, and Cooper Cup is phenomenal. But, boy, this Rams offense, they do not do, outside of that, what else do they do really well? It is really hard to really point out what they do well. And I think the Vance Jefferson injury, and him coming back um, soon in the next coming weeks, 
that could help things. Um, OBJ in his return, is he going to like do, do the Rams go out and pay money for OBJ? Like, because OBJ is going around, he's he's kind of like touring, he's kind of like doing a scouting process, like a high school kid. He's going to different schools, visiting different teams, and so forth. Do, do the Rams just outright just pay him the money? Do they just give him the money? Like, because it seems like OBJ was that guy. And honestly, OBJ could be the he can be the deciding factor on what team wins, make, or how far teams go to the to in, within the playoffs. Because if OBJ, if he elects to sign with the Bills, and the Bills are already explosive offensively, if he elects to go sign in Buffalo, Buffalo that that just adds another slot deep threat that buffalo just do they do they need obj no not necessarily could they use him absolutely and they would be they're already hard they're already hard to stop it would be really really difficult to try to pin and focus in on that offense and who do you look at to really like pin in on obviously Stefan Diggs is having a phenomenal he's he's starting the season off phenomenal but I think OBJ he is really going to be the missing link to one of these contenders to one of these playoff teams to one of these teams that we think could have a could or make a deep playoff run OBJ is going to be the deciding factor whether or whether or not they do it he could be the deciding factor because I thought last year with OBJ he gave the Rams a, a slot threat, a deep threat that defenses had to respect because he can still play. Defenses had to respect, and he was a decoy. He was a decoy. Like that Super Bowl, every, you know, obviously Cooper Cup is going to receive the attention. That leaves OBJ one on one with your second, maybe even third best DB. OBJ is still really good, good enough to really take advantage of that. Still good enough to take advantage of that. So you ask yourself, no, no, no. What do you do if you're the Rams? Their left tackle situation, he's solid. Not Andrew Whitworth, not an all-pro, middle-of-the-pack left tackle. That's still, that. whether, you know, the way how you evaluate that, Still could be an issue. But I look at this Rams team, and and on and then we can speak about Jalen Ramsey. I want to speak about Jalen Ramsey. Because Jalen Ramsey, um, I don't I, I don't think he is there was one once upon a time, Jalen Ramsey, when he was on the field, whoever whoever he was covering, you didn't have to worry about that guy being a factor in the ballgame. You didn't have to worry about that receiver being a factor in the ball game because you know you knew Jalen Ramsey had that guy, and that guy was not going to have a huge impact on that game. You can you can no longer say that now. And the Rams, they're looking for Ramsey to be this shutdown, perennial, otherworldly corner, which at times he shows flashes of it. But I think looking at what happened in the Super Bowl where Jamar Chase – Jamar Chase had his way with Jalen Ramsey in the Super Bowl. Jalen Ramsey did not have the best Super Bowl. 
And if it wasn't for Aaron Donald getting the game winning sack, Joe, if Joe Burrow gets a a second, if he gets one more second, Jamar Chase burns and beats Jalen Ramsey for the game winning touchdown to win the Super Bowl. That's just a fact. And then you fast you fast forward, you look at week one. What happened in week one? Stephon Diggs had his way with Jalen Ramsey. Then again, Monday Night Football, Debo Samuel had his way with Jalen Ramsey. So, I, it, like I said, it really pains me because I think I, I really think the world of Jalen Ramsey, and I really love the way he plays football. I think he's a great corner, but at this point, I, you have to start to question and wonder: Is he this perennial? shut down otherworldly corner where he's covering a particular receiver and you don't have to worry that you don't have to worry about that receiver having a huge impact on the game because over the past couple times the past few instances the past the past few performances where you go up against some when he has some marquee matchups he gets the the the, the receiver gets the best of him and they and the receiver has really big days not just like you know no no the receiver has a really big day. Jamar Chase, rookie on a Super Bowl stage, outplayed Jalen Ramsey. Stephon Diggs, week one, outplayed Jalen Ramsey. Debo Samuel, Monday Night Football. So I think the Rams got some, they got some questions they have to answer. Um, I like I said, I think OBJ in his where what would the Rams do with OBJ or does OBJ elect to sign back with the Rams? I think is a huge factor on what they would look like moving forward. But can they stay afloat? Can they stay above 500 until they get some more guys healthy? That's really a really big concern. That's a really big, that's the big thing. That's the big thing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I look at them. This Rams offense, they leave me wondering a lot, having a lot of questions. Uh, I'm going to further break down the NFC after this quick break. So when I when I look at the NFC, um, and it's fun, we, I talked about the Rams, and I like I said, I have quest, so many questions and, and question marks just about their offense outlook. The defense, defense not too bad, but the offense just – and it's just so surprising. I haven't looked. I haven't seen it look this stale since Jared Goff's last year, where you can clearly tell Sean McVay lost all trust. The Rams' problem is they they depend on Cooper Cup too much, and outside of that, getting him the football, they don't do anything else well. They don't do anything else well. But then I look at the NFC. The NFC is so weird because I they have been the superior conference throughout the years. And the end of this NFC is weak. It is weak. Now we can, I, I've been trying to figure out like if I had to do it and I'm not going to do it, but top five teams in the NFC, you can probably guess a couple like Philly, um, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, maybe Dallas, maybe Minnesota. But with all of these teams, the Rams, all of these teams, there's major big question marks. There's big, big question marks. And we can start with Philly because I think I think a lot of people right now, and I, I say right now, I think Philly is the best team in NFC right now. 
now, like currently. Now, does that mean they're going to be the best team in the NFC when December and January comes around during postseason time? Well, I, like, am I going to pick what I pick Philadelphia to go to the Super Bowl today? No. But currently, throughout the first four games of the season, they have looked like the best team in the NFC. But even with Philadelphia, you know what the knock is on Philadelphia? Who have they played? Who have they played? All of Philadelphia and their talent is undeniable on both sides of the football. And Nick, Sir, Nick Sirianni has done a great, great out. He, he's done an outstanding job. He's, in my in my opinion, overachieved of what I thought he would be as a head coach. That's just me. So Nick Sirianni, head coaching-wise, it, it worked out. Um, talent on both sides of the ball is undeniable. But remember, last year, Philadelphia was a 9-8 and football team, and they got to the postseason. They they caught fire in the, the second half, the back end of the second half of the last year, and, and that's how they got into the playoffs. They made their playoff push. But if you remember correctly, Philadelphia was 0-6 versus playoff teams last year. They were 0-6. And in the playoff game that they did play in last year versus Tampa Bay, not saying they should have won, but it wasn't even close. At one point, the score was 31 to zero. So I'm not clear. I'm not sure if I'm really fully ready to say, hey, Philadelphia is the the, the bona fide best team coming out of the NFC. I'm just not ready to say that yet because the conference is just that weak. But like with Philly, it, that that it, it kind of speaks to how inferior the conference is compared to the AFC. Because okay, in the AFC, who we think the best teams are like uh, Kansas City, uh, Buffalo, uh, Baltimore is pretty good, Cincinnati is pretty good, Miami's pretty good. But I think those are the top two teams as of right now that we're comfortable with saying Buffalo, Kansas City. They have way, those two teams have way fewer question marks than Philadelphia. I mean, even with the whole quarterback instance, Jalen Hurts, that coming into the year, this was a prove it year for Jalen Hurts. And this was a big year for Jalen Hurts. So far, so far, so far, he's delivered and he's played at a really, really high level. So I want to give him his props for that. I want to give him his flowers for that because he's, because he has answered the call throughout the first four weeks of the season. Now, like I said, one would argue, one could argue, one will probably argue, who has Philadelphia played? They haven't really played anybody. They've played the commander. <laughs> they have beaten the commanders the last three, four times they've seen them. They've beaten Minnesota, who, uh, quite frankly, Kirk Cousins, we all know Kirk Cousins wet the bed in Monday Night Football. They played an improving Jacksonville. But it's still Jacksonville. So a lot they played, they beat Detroit. So a lot of so far, they've had a really fairly a fair schedule. An easy schedule so far. And they had the easiest schedule coming into the season. So they were bound to be pretty good. That's why a lot of experts, that's why a lot of people, including myself, picked the Eagles to win the NFC East because we clearly look like, like okay, Philly has the better team. They have the best team in their division, and they have by far the easiest schedule in their division. So they should win it. But Jalen Hurts, think about it. He was the biggest question mark 
coming into this year. Because like I said, we looked at their defense. We were like, oh, defense is solid. We looked at what they had on offense in terms of playmakers, offensive line, different personnel, skill position personnel. We like, okay, Philly has what it takes. It's up to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has, like I said, so far has answered the call and he's played well. But it's only October. It's only October. Let's check back in mid-November around Thanksgiving. Let's check back in around December. Let's check back in. But I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to go all in on Philadelphia. I'm not all in. I'm not ready to go all in yet. They're really good. They're really good. And I think they're, I think, like I said, so far, they have been the best team in the NFC throughout the first four games. And honestly, I don't even know if it's been close. But then you look at the other teams, there's there's bigger question marks. Green Bay. Uh, obviously, we talk about the Rams and 49ers, but Green Bay. You look at Green Bay. Yeah, they're 3-1. and one. They got stumped by Minnesota, but they, they're not overly explosive versus, I mean, offensively. They they just, they for me, they leave a lot to be desired offensively when I'm looking at other teams around the league. I look at the Dolphins. I look at the Ravens. I look at the Chiefs. I look at the Bills. Hell, I look at the Eagles. And they're just way more explosive and have way more weaponry on the outside. So with Green Bay... Defensively, I think they're solid. I think they have a really solid defensive unit. But as a whole, offensively, there's a lot of gaps. They can run the football. They have really good backs. Offensive line is decent. Obviously, we know how great Aaron Rodgers is. But who is their number one receiver when the going gets tough? We don't know. We don't know. And that's why I'm hesitant on Green Bay. I look at other teams like Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Injuries. I mean, they have they they got to get healthy. <clears throat> At some point, Tampa Bay just got to get healthy. I think once they get healthy, I think Tampa Bay could be very very dangerous in the NFC because the NFC is very weak. And you look at the players that Tampa have on both sides of the ball. I think I don't think uh, I don't think teams want any parts of that in the NFC. I don't. We could look at other teams like the Vikings. The Vikings, I think, have a ceiling. But they got pretty good players on offense. We know we know what Kirk Cousins is, and we know what he's not. What he is is he's a reasonably, really accurate quarterback who looks really good, who looks pretty good at times. But when in big moments, in big spots, in primetime games, he shrinks, he melts down. That's that, that's the ultimate thing about Kirk Cousins. That's that's where the ceiling comes into play. Also, Minnesota, they're they they allow a lot of explosive big plays. You look at Dallas, you want to believe in Dallas so much. You want to believe in Dallas so so much. Because and it's in, in out of all the years that you want to really believe in Dallas, where there's a weak NFC and they can like they could take control and they can they can actually take advantage of the weak conference. You still have your doubts. Defensively, they have been awesome. They have been an awesome defense. Defensively, they're fast. They're quick. They got playmakers at every level. Trayvon Diggs has come back better. Mark, Micah Parsons has come back better. He's he, he's already an early defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, 
they have a they have a lot of what you want on defense. Offensively, we I, I, I want to see what a healthy Dak looks like. I want to see what a healthy Dak with Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb looks like. Offensive line, not what it used to be. Running game, not what it used to be at times. Mike McCarthy as a head coach, uh, am I? Are we still sold on that? So no. So there's just a lot of questions in the NFC where I, I don't know who can we definitively say like this is the favorite. Like I don't think there's no favorite. The Eagles look like the best team in the NFC so far, but are they the favorites? No, I would say no. They're not the favorites. They are not the favorites because of what I what we witnessed last year. What we witnessed last year is they couldn't beat a playoff team. They have not beat a playoff team so far. They 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 just haven't. They just have they just have not. So <clears throat> that's just what it is. I mean, I think I, I I just look at Philly. They have a they do a lot well, but zero and six versus playoff teams last year, and this. Their playoff push last year, they feasted on bad teams. And then this year, they have a really flexible schedule. A really flexible schedule, which kind of works in their favor. This is not me saying Philly is not a good team. This is not me questioning, but I'm just, I, I to, to, to say right now, first four weeks in, outright, they're the favorites. I think it's a little... It's a little too much. I'm. I feel like if I were to do that, I'm jumping the gun too much because I look at a Tampa. I look at a team like Tampa, who I think is as talented. They have a more, much more proven quarterback at an important spot. I don't know. I think that. I think if I was to say that, that's uh, that's jumping the gun a little too fast. That's jumping the gun a little too fast for me to say Philly is outright the favorites. Right now, first four weeks, they look like the best team. It's a difference. Looking like the best team in the first four weeks is totally different from being the conference favorite. The NFC currently does not have a favorite. They don't. They don't. They just don't. And <clears throat> I think that that's it. That's that's what it is. And so with that, I'm gonna go into my top ten. My top ten list. I take it very seriously. My top 10 list, I take it very seriously. We do this on a weekly basis. This is this is like routine. If you're a new listener, this should be routine for you now. If you're a first-time listener, this is what we do during football season. Every week of the year, I give you guys my top 10 teams. It, it, you, new listeners, this thing is not like a – it's not your regular power rankings. I don't – I care about your record. I look at more who you lose to and how you lost. I look at how you win and who you won against. I take every I try to take everything into account. So here it is. My top 10 list going into week 5 after the first 4 weeks. Let's get it. Okay. <clears throat> at 10 I have the Packers. I kind of found it I found it really difficult for me to move the Packers up above anyone else. On this list, after their win versus the Patriots, the Pats, the Patriots aren't really too. They're not. They're not good. They got a. They got a rack of injuries. Um, and I don't think they had no business 
that 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 ball game had no business being as close as it was. But I think Green Bay and its lack of explosiveness offensively, I think that allowed that enabled New England to keep the game closer than what it should have been with a third string quarterback. Uh, I think Green Bay's defense is solid as a whole, um, even though it had they had a couple laps. They get they love some big plays versus New England, but it's still a really solid unit. I'm just very skeptical and very eerie of Green Bay's offense and what they can do in terms of stretching the stretching the football over the top. So I got Green Bay at 10. At number nine, I have the Vikings. So I think this is the Vikings are really good. I think they have a ceiling. Um, they do a lot well on offense. Kirk Cousins, 34 straight games with a touchdown pass. That's a league high. Um, and over the next coming weeks, the next month or so, the Vikings have a really flex- flexible schedule. So right now they're three and one. This could be in the next four games. They could, they could honestly end up seven and one. And we, you know, we having a whole different talk about the Vikings. So really flexible schedule, but I think closer to playoff time when that, when you really line them up against the other NFC teams like the Rams, if they get their act together, the 49ers, um, the Eagles, the Buccaneers, I really do think they have a ceiling. Um, So Vikings at nine. At number eight, I had the Dolphins. I didn't quite know what to do with the Dolphins. They have no tour. And that's big. They're going to be missing tour for at least a, a few games. That's what I'm thinking. But Honestly, what's the gap between Tua and Teddy Bridgewater? There is a gap, but I don't think that gap is too wide. Um, and I look at what Miami does offensively. It's a system, it's, in terms of their passing game at least, it's a system where very similar to the 49ers. Get the ball out quick. You got playmakers. Let your playmakers make plays. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is adequate enough to do that. And he has, and he has the playmakers enough playmakers at his disposal to do that. So honestly, you look at their weapons, you look at who they have coming up in the next three or four games, they could, they they can win some games with with Bridgewater as their guy. Um, they're second, they're second in the league in yards per play. So this is a really explosive offense. And like I said, it's a lot of just Tua getting the ball out quick, getting it to his playmakers and letting his playmakers do the rest. I think Teddy Bridgewater is adequate enough to do that. Like I said, I think there's a gap, but how big is the gap really? I don't think the gap is that wide. I don't think the margin between Tua and Teddy Bridgewater is that wide. So I think the Dolphins at eight. It's good enough. We'll see what happens um, in the next coming weeks. At number seven, I have the Bengals. Um, the Bengals beat. Um, they beat the Dolphins. Granted, they didn't, Dolphins they have Tua, but Cincinnati's defense is pretty good. They have a top eight defense. They only they only have allowed five touchdowns so far this year. In, in the last three games, Joe Burrow six touchdowns, zero interceptions, with a hundred and seven pass rating. So Joe. So Barrow's starting to get back in the groove of things. Didn't play at, at all in the preseason. Their defense is clicking. Their offense is starting to pick it back up. I like Cincinnati. I like Cincinnati a lot. <clears throat> at number six, the Ravens. I got the Ravens at number six. 
I don't know what's up with them. The Ravens are a very weird team. They have five straight home losses. Five straight losses at home. That's that's a little unusual for Baltimore. They're usually pretty good at home. Get this. This is a funny stat, too. I think this is the funniest stat of the day. The Ravens' defense, they have the most takeaways in the league, but have the worst pass defense in the league. So the Ravens, they take away the football, but then also in the same sentence, they give up a lot of points and yards. So they, they have the worst pass defense in the league. They can win. I think the Ravens, it's come to a point where they can win or lose any game. They're good enough to beat the league's best, but then sometimes, some Sundays, they just, I don't know, in the second half, they just lose themselves. Offense get a little funky. The defense, um, it's a really young secondary, so it's bound to have a lot of lapses. And this week, another another they allowed another comeback victory from a really good team and that's why i'm gonna keep baltimore at six because they lost to buffalo they lost to miami both teams are in my top 10 i think both teams are really good so there's ain't it's not too much shame but their secondary does it does it does worry me but it's a really fairly young secondary offensively they do a lot right um, I think they do a lot, a lot of things well on offense, but Baltimore is really, really weird. They got to get their act together. First half, they play great. They're like a top five team in the league. And then the second half, something happens. I don't know, but I got the Ravens at six. At number five, I got the 49ers. I'm, I'm sorry. I got the 49ers at number five. I think they're the most physical team in the league. They had the top scoring defense. They haven't allowed a first half touchdown. Um, and they're doing all of this. They they just they out muscled and outmanned the Rams without Trent Williams. Like they're like a they they out muscled, manhandled the Rams without a lot of guys, especially Trent Williams. So I look at this 49er team, I think they're a top. They're they're a really top-end team. They got a Super Bowl-quality roster. Obviously, we know about their limitations at quarterback, but this 49ers team, they present a lot of problems. They're the most physical team in the league. They're going to punch you in the mouth. They're going to play their style of ball, football for the next for three hours, and you just got to deal with it. 49ers at five. At four, I had to pick the Bucks. I think the Bucks, they have, a. I believe, in the quarterback a little bit more. Um, and also, I think with them being a little bit more healthy, I think Tampa Bay can really be dangerous. Think about it. They were competitive versus Green Bay and Kansas City. Mind you, Green Bay, they didn't have Julio Jones, Mike Evans, or Chris Godwin. They were literally two points away, a two-point conversion away from tying and going to overtime with Green Bay without their top three receiving targets. Think about that. So Tampa Bay is really good. Their defense has been – the defense outside of the Kansas City performance, their defense for the most part this year has been really, really stellar. So I look at their schedule, really flexible schedule, got a couple division opponents. So this this Tampa Bay team, they're 2-2 two and two right now. But you look up at the end of October, they could they could be 5-2, and 6-2, and 7-2, and, and we're talking about a whole different team, and they're not even healthy yet. Wait till this team gets healthy. I think Tampa Bay, they're going to present a lot of problems, especially in the NFC. At number three, I had the Eagles. Yes, they're still unbeaten, but who have they beat? 
Um, I believe in Philadelphia. I think they have been the best team in the NFC so far, but I don't think they're the favorites. But here's something good. They have 36 big plays, 36 explosive plays that leads the NFL. I think they have the best combination of O-line and D-line in the bet in, in the league. Um, now their second half offense has been a little shaky, but they're they're also very similar to, to the 49ers. They're a very physical team on both sides of the ball. They can run the football well, but then also with running the football well, Jalen Hurts has been able to stretch defenses, and that has just opened up their offense and opened up their floodgates. It just really opens up their offense and gives defenses so many different looks. Um, Jalen Hurts is off to Jalen Hurts is off to a really good start. So I got the Eagles at three. I think they've gotten a break with some, you know, with some bad weather. Um, I think they've gotten a break with some. I think teams that they've inferior teams that they have been able to take advantage of, but I got the Eagles at three. I think they're really good at two. I had to put the chiefs. I was, I was contemplating, I was contemplating putting Kansas city at number one this week, but I had to put them at two second and scoring offense. You can't run on their defense. They have the best run defense in football, which is good. Now the bad news is, they you can certainly throw on them. They their pass defense is not good. It's it's very much a work in progress and it leaves a lot to be desired. So they won't let you run. And I think there's there's kind of like a the slippery slope to this is okay, their run defense is really good. So opposing teams won't be able to run the football and play keep away from Mahomes, which is great, brilliant. You're able to stop the run. But then the downside to that is, okay, Kansas City is going to be leading in a lot of these games in the fourth quarter, so the opposing team is not going to run the football. They're going to be throwing the football, so their pass defense is going to be more susceptible and more vulnerable to giving up big plays because the opposing team is going to be throwing the football more. So that's kind of the slippery slope of the Chiefs' defense, and that's why – I kind of struggle with putting them at one because of their pass defense offensively brilliant. I think they have the best offensive mind in football with the combination of the best tight end and the best quarterback in football, but their, their defense, it, it's a, it's a, it's very much a slippery slope. It's a damn you do, damn you do. Cause like, okay, I'm, I'm excited. I'm good. I'm glad to see that Kansas city can stop the run because that's usually how teams play keep away from really, really good quarterbacks. Just keep them on the sideline and be able to run the football and control time possession. You can't do that with this team. Best run defense in the league. But their pass defense, that that leaves them vulnerable to giving up big plays, explosive plays. And their schedule gets a little bit more difficult in the next coming weeks. So we, we'll see how Kansas City handles that. And then at one, obviously, I'm sticking to my guns. I got the Bills at one. Very impressive offensively so far. Great comeback win versus the Ravens. They, this is these are important stats. These are the important stats that I really, really look at. Point differential. Granted, the Bills are three and one, and sometimes it's not always pretty. But they lead the NFL in point differential and yardage differential. So they're just they're just outscoring opponents and. They're gaining more yards on a on a game to game basis than, than than their opponents. So I I really like I really like what I've been seeing from this build team. Now, 
it they have so many injuries on defense, especially in the secondary. And that's why I think um, you look at the Dolphins loss, you look at them struggling versus Baltimore a little bit. I think that comes back to they got they got Buffalo has injuries in the defense and they were still able to pull off a really, really good comeback win, an impressive comeback win on the road versus versus Baltimore. And Baltimore is like Baltimore is really good. So the mere fact that Buffalo can do that while facing injury in a messy game, trying to come back on the road, it shows you how good Buffalo is. It really does. It shows you how good Buffalo is. And it was good to see Buffalo win a game that was like nasty grit. They had to show some toughness. They just couldn't knock out the opponent. So I got Buffalo at one. Um, I've had them at one because I just thought that was an impressive road win, real road win versus a really good playoff team um, in the Ravens. Uh, But yeah, so that is my top 10 list. I am confident with it. My top three, four teams really haven't changed over the past couple weeks. I moved the 49ers in and out, um, but the Niners, they just have too much. The 49ers have too much of some of certain stuff that really that's really, really valuable in order to win football games at a high level um, come December and January during playoff time. So I got the 49ers in our top five, um, despite despite them having limitations at the quarterback spot. So I wanted to come on here real quick before I close out. I wanted to talk about Aaron Judge hitting uh, his 62 home runs, uh, which was a now it's a new AL record. He did it versus the Rangers. And Aaron Judge, he's had, I mean, this is, but when I say this, I want you guys to really, 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 really preference my comments. Aaron Judge has had a phenomenal season. He's had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. So when 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 I say this or when I'm talking about this home run king stuff, it's nothing against Aaron Judge. He's a great guy. He's had a great year, and he's going to receive a massive, massive deal this upcoming winter. But 62 is not the record in terms of the home run king. Um, 73 is Barry Bonds hit 73. So when I hear people try to like belittle the steroid era in baseball, which I don't know, but I could have sworn that's when baseball was at its peak in terms of fandom and people buying in. That was when baseball was at its peak. Um, that was the best times. I think we look at we can and, and we can really digest and dissect this whole thing. But I look at um, think about it. Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, great baseball player, but he hit seven hundred and fourteen home runs. But he did it in a time when blacks and Hispanics wasn't allowed to play in the major leagues. White on, white only era. How about that? We like. We still counted. We still counted. Hank Aaron, he had 755 home runs when black and Hispanics were allowed to play in the major league. The integration era. Barry Bonds, he had 762 home runs during the steroid era. 
So it just wasn't it wasn't Bonds himself just taking roids. He wasn't the only one doing it. He wasn't the only hitter doing it. He wasn't the only player doing it. Pitchers were doing it too. Everybody was juicing. That's why it's called the steroid era. Bonds, his 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 all time home run record still stands. Um, like I said, I think Aaron Judge, he's had a great, great season, a phenomenal season, and the Yankees as a team has had a really good regular season this year. Hit a rough patch in August, but overall, they've had a really good season. And Judge, I mean, this takes nothing away because I think he's had a great year, and he he's the AF, he, he now holds the record for, for the in the American League. But when I hear people try to just utterly just, it's more so like just dismissing Bonds, dismissing what he did in the steroid era. And gra- like I said, granted, every the juice, but everybody was juicing. Everybody was juicing. And still to this day, a lot of people will tell you, watching Barry Bonds, even before he was juicing, best baseball player they ever seen. So when people try to like, Play the game like oh bonds this and the steroids no 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 he wasn't the only one juicing never got caught juicing for a fact but we know he was juicing but never got caught doing roids and everybody it was it's called the steroid era for a reason so just because you played a particular era where it was a bit where it was you can make an argument that PEDs perform enhancement drugs you don't have to make an argument. It is an enhancement. So it's unfair. It's an unfair advantage. We don't do that to other all-time greats that played in other eras where particular players couldn't even play. I don't know. I just, I, I just think it's interesting uh, that people just push back on bonds, push back on that steroid era where it was, it was baseball at its height. Um, not saying... Right or wrong, morally, whatever, but it was baseball at its hype. That's when a lot of people tuned in. Bonds was at the height of it and at the tip top of it in the poster child. But to just utterly dismiss like it didn't happen, like, oh, like, no, we can't do that because his record still stands. And like I said, Aaron Judge had a great year. He's not the new home run king. Barry Bonds still is the home run king. It did happen, though. So just wanted to get that out there. But without further ado, uh, I'm going to let you guys go. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Not too, I, don't want it, I didn't want it to be too long. Hope you guys enjoyed it, though. Try to give you a little bit of um, something. I'm, I'm going to do more college football. More college football is going to come. Um, I'm waiting for... Some more. I, I thought I gave you. I went real, real super in depth last last week um, on a college football topic and talking about different things. Probably confused a few people, but uh, I I get back to more college football topics. Um, the NBA season is literally right around the corner, so I tap in with the NBA a little bit, just a little bit. Um, it's still NFL season, so that's still gonna get my main focus. But I tap in with the NBA a little bit. I'm gonna have a couple people. I may have some people come in. Um, in the next coming weeks or so, as basketball season gets closer, I may have a couple guests come on the show. But without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. Always remember, two choices, one decision. I'm gone. Peace out. Deuces. Enjoy. <laughs>